Critic Tom Hibbert of Empire Magazine says this movie is an attempt to be both a high-octane action fest and a satire on such films, the result of which is the weirdest concoction, the metaphysical blockbuster. Critic Mike Massey for Gone with the Twins explains that every action film trope is satirized, every manly catchphrase is mocked, and the overuse of senseless violence and random explosions is parodied to no end. And comedy writer Demi Adijuiwe calls it absolutely stupid brilliance and then pitches himself to write its reboot. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of the last action hero. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoof Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Oh, there he is. Our boy Arn. Hey, we are doing the last action hero, right? <laughs> we should I should Arnold should be here to talk about the last action hero. Uh, as, as long as he doesn't here in talk, California. As long as he doesn't talk about uh Planet Hollywood. It's just so tacky. <laughs> um but first, welcome to Ruin Childhoods. My name is John. That guy is Dan. I'm that guy. You're that guy. Uh, we're brothers. We talk about this shit whether you're listening or not. So may as well so record true. it and put it out there. We actually stop ourselves from talking about yeah. this shit when we're not recording so that we I can know. save it for when we are recording. It's but bad. That's bad. Tells you how much this shit comes up that's when right. we're not recording. And Dan, okay, everybody, if you want to learn more about us, listen to our last episode uh, titled Getting to Know Your Armed Assailants, an Airheads reference. And Dan, how did it not come up that you worked at Blockbuster Video and West Coast Video? Which for a brief time I, when I started working there was Palmer Video. Palmer Video. I wasn't sure if you worked there while it was Palmer Video. It it was a very, it, there was very short was Palmer, crossover. Was it at all a, a franchise or was it just the one location in west no there were multiple okay there were multiple in the uh jersey area i don't think palmer video went too far outside of the krausers situation it stayed in the krausers district i think so yeah i don't yeah does i don't know is is there even a krausers like outside of union county i don't know in new jersey i don't know it's a Please, fun, very isolated central New Jersey chain, northern yeah. central New Jersey chain specifically. Anyway, if you know what we're talking about, but you don't live in Union County, New Jersey, shoot if, us an email at ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. If for you, a sloppy Joe sandwich is something other than what everyone else thinks it is, then you are probably <laughs> near a Krausers right now. You might be from Union County. You might be from Union... Yeah. So anyway... You worked at was it Blockbuster first that you worked at? I worked at I worked at Blockbuster. There you were a lot of the things. khakis. There were a lot of things that did not come up uh, in our in our conversation. I just and felt like that was a big thing that hadn't. I mean, we've brought it up before that you've worked at video stores, but like, yeah, in the no, last episode um, for sure. Yeah, no, I worked at uh, so I got a job. It was after I finished my first year of college. So we're talking. It was. Summer of '96. Oh yeah, I got my first real six. We're all string. watching Independence Day. So actually, in- Independence Day does tie into this oh. story. <laughs> Interestingly enough, John. Okay. So go on. Uh, I got my job at Blockbuster Video. I guess in like May '96, and there were some things I liked about working there, and there were some things that I didn't like so much about working there. And there were some, uh, there were just some kind of like ridiculous things and the, it, ridiculous the things in the way that like, because it's a corporate kind of thing or just... I think because it's a corporate kind of thing, but also because of like just the people towing the corporate line and yeah. Well, so let's put, all right. So here, uh, I, something else I just remembered here. Um, okay. Uh, I, I am a teacher. I have also previously been a substitute teacher, um, and I've had multiple other jobs. 
The only job that I have ever been drug tested for. Interesting. Was my job at Blockbuster. And it was not like a saliva swab, a piss test or anything like that. They took hair. Really? They clipped hair. Oh my God. That is so funny. So I was drug tested at Blockbuster. And then I remember it was like- Did you get fired because you weren't taking drugs? (laughs) I didn't get fired from that job. Uh, Oh. Nor was I taking drugs at that time. Uh, (laughs) Moving on. It's uh, legal now. It's legal now. Maybe not there. I don't know the deal, but whatever. Anyway, uh, in 1996, no. Uh, But point is, I was, I remember it was like, this must have been, it was like late June, early July. So like all, a lot of my friends had come back from, from college, like after their first years and, uh, I remember it was like late one night in the store. There was like barely anyone there in the store. And my job was to like, I would sweep slash vacuum. And I say this because we had one of those like push vacuums. Oh, wait, one of those things that's kind of like a, a rug sweeper thing. That's yeah. like not actually motorized. Just kind of like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to do Very that, 90s that. tool. It's a very 90s A very, thing. like, 70s tool yeah, that somehow like, lasted to the 90s. Yeah, I feel like it, like, hit a peak in the 90s, and then just you never saw them anymore. I I, I think it plateaued in the 80s, but... Really? Uh, yeah. uh, anyway, uh, so a couple of my friends, like, came into the store, and we were chatting while I was sweep vacuuming, vacuum yeah. sweeping, carpet sweeping, and I I was, like, disciplined for that really yeah no i remember i received a, a talking to Ooh. about that and i was like i didn't get it i was like i was doing exactly what i would have been done had i been doing had i not right been right having right. a conversation um and i'm sure if it was just like a random customer who was asking me to like recommend a video probably i probably wouldn't have been able to recommend stuff at West Coast, I recommend it all the time. I had so, regulars. So, and, and this ties into Independence Day because you uploaded uh, yes. a virus to their system and it shut down the whole corporation and now there's only one left in Bend, Oregon? Well, you see, I had a Mac and <laughs> uh, I was able to, I, I brought the blockbuster down. Uh, um, no, I, what happened was I was just kind of getting sick and tired and... Like they had scheduled me to work and I feel like I, or I'd put in that I couldn't work and they scheduled me anyway. And I was planning on going to see Independence Day with a bunch of friends at the mountainside lows. Like it was new. It had, it was like fresh. It was recent. Uh And everyone was like, oh, wow. And oh man, it's so cool. sounds like the alien ship is just like landing on, on top of you, on your face and uh, in your, in your ears. It's a, it's a fun movie. It's great. Yeah. No, yeah, and so I opted to no show work and went to go see Independence Day. Got it. And you didn't get fired. I didn't get fired. I thought I was going to get fired. I ended up quitting. Oh, okay. Uh, and then and you went to work at Palmer. Like, like the same day, I went from quitting Blockbuster to applying and practically getting hired on the spot at oh Palmer. God. Because when I was like, yeah, no, I just quit Blockbuster. Like, literally just, like, that was the last place I was. Yeah. Before coming here, I quit Blockbuster. And it was funny because when I asked about drug testing, the person who was like, you know, I guess like introducing me and just like telling me about how things went there. They were like, ha, 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 if they drug tested, they wouldn't have anyone working. Yeah, here. right. So <laughs> I started working at. Yeah, it was like it was Palmer when I started and then it turned into West Coast. And I worked Ironically, there on the East Coast. Yeah. No, I don't believe there are any West Coast videos on the West Coast, much like I don't think there are any Hollywood videos in Hollywood. Huh. Um, but I but I digress, of course. But uh, the so and I worked at that West Coast video like pretty much until they closed. Wow. Like I would I would just like sometimes I wouldn't even be scheduled to work or like I would just randomly find myself you know, like around the Westfield, Cranford, New Jersey area uh-huh. on a weekend. And I would I would come in and I'd just be like, hey, what's what's going on? You guys look a little busy. And I would just clock in. Yeah. 
I would just clock in and start working. That's great. Like, I wasn't even scheduled on a shift. And I would like, yeah, that job was the best. I loved working there. We would, I mean, shit, I could tell so many stories. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sure. Like we, 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 we used to have a game, like a baseball game. We would take like an empty, like clamshell VHS case and then we would get like paper, like, you know, paper, paper from like the dot matrix printer yeah, that yeah. printed up all the receipts and we'd like crumple it up and we'd have baseball. And you'd like, if you hit the back wall where the new releases were on a fly, it was a home run. If you hit the like Alfred Hitchcock, st- I remember we had like an Alfred H- Hitchcock standee right. because they, they had like done like a re-release of a bunch of his movies. So, and it was like, yeah, no, if you hit Alfred Hitchcock, it's a triple and you hit like, there's something about Mary, the, the, there's something yeah. about Mary standing. Oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. Like we, there were certain movies that we would put on and watch in the store, like time and time, like over and over again. Uh-huh. It was great. Every now and again, after hours, like after the store closed and we were just kind of like You keep on up. saying things. Okay. So I think you're going to talk about like putting after hours on. Or like you, you said time and time again, and I was thinking time after time, and I was like, "No, you're not thinking about the movie that we would put on in that situation." But I remember one time we put on, <laughs> "Hey, it's after the hours. Movie. Let's put after hours on." Um, yeah, no, that's not exactly a watch <laughs> while you're cleaning up in the video store. However, the film that we put on, uh, what happened was originally released under like the the title, I think, like Party at Freddy's or something like that. Better known as the Italian Stallion, ah. aka the porn flick that Sylvester Stallone starred in. Weird in the seventies. Weird. I uh, so I just wanted to make sure that we covered <laughs> the basis of you working at these video stores, we, and literally with the with the video store baseball. Yeah, you did, and uh, and I'm sure that we'll come back to those in other episodes. But yeah. I want to get to some pieces of news that I saw uh, came out in the past week or so. Uh, so there is an Under Siege reboot in the works. This is according to Deadline. It's at uh, uh, for HBO Max with, uh, and I, I, I'm apologizing in advance because I know I'm not going to get this name right, but uh, the, with the director Timo uh, Chajanto and um, Umer Alim writing. So... I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with old Casey Ryback and and friends. Um, but I don't know. Uh, so it's an Indonesian filmmaker. Uh, he directed VHS to um, the safe Haven segment and then did um, the night comes for us and may the devil take you, which are available on Netflix. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's so, Let's see. He is attached to direct the New Line remake of Train to Busan. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, Maybe they will use some of our ideas, in which case uh, we certainly encourage all all involved with the new Under Siege HBO Max reboot to listen to our Under Siege episode. And uh, yeah. Any thoughts, Dan? Bring back Busey. (laughs) uh also in the news in uh, in the dress also in the news uh ridley scott this is slash film confirms blade runner and alien tv series are being developed so this is blade uh, runner tv series is like premiering soon uh well this is just as of today this is today's news so uh okay I'm just going to read a little bit of this. Uh, Let's see. During an interview on BBC Radio, the acclaimed filmmaker has provided the news that a pair of television spinoffs from two of his most widely respected films are currently well into their respective stages of development. First, we were apparently getting a Blade Runner series. So I don't know if this is... It it premiered a week ago. Or Sorry. So right now it's November 22nd. It premiered on November 14th. On, uh, it, you can watch it on Hulu, Blade Runner Black Lotus. Are you serious? Because I'm reading this article that came out today. And it's been all over uh, the internet. Um, yeah, no, Blade Runner Black Lotus. I remember seeing something about this and just being like, oh, what's that? And it's an animated series. Oh, I don't think that this is an animated thing. Oh. Yeah. 
Oh, there's another one. Oh, Adult Swim. Uh, Adult Swim is where you can find Blade Runner Black Lotus. Got it, got it, got it. No, this is... Um, so this is all over the news today, like in Gadget, Variety, oh. Gizmodo, all about live-action Blade Runner and Alien TV series. So they are uh, well on their way in development, and uh, that's exciting. I'm I'm intrigued. You know, Ridley Scott is behind them in some way, shape, or form. I mean... Dude is uh, not not slowing down. Seriously, Ridley Scott. I mean, what's the new one he has out? The Last Duel. Is that him? Oh, is that is that is that that's his new one, right? But he's like, and you know, Ridley Scott. It's funny you underestimate how much he kind of like genre hops and just when you're like well has he made this kind of movie you look at his filmography and totally he he usually has i mean i know he tends to lean towards like you know the the bigger kind of uh more like effects driven or um action driven films but i mean you think about he's done a lot of like smaller more intimate films as well yeah he's a really Interesting filmmaker. And, you know, anytime where I'm thinking like, you know, I don't know if I like most Ridley Scott movies, then it's just like, oh, wait, no, I actually do. It's just I forget that he's done certain ones like um, just last week I watched Thelma and Louise and I don't remember if it's like it's the first time I've watched it where I like actually could follow what was going on. Not that it's a hard movie to follow, but I think that I was just a child when I watched it for the first time. Um, and of course I like gladiator and, and you know, there's so many of his like classics that I like, but he's just, he just pumps out so many. It's, it's wild. There's so many others that like, you can't, that, that it's like, you just don't remember like, uh, Oh, what was the legend? Yeah, that's right. Legend. Like, le- like legend. You forget that. So you think Ridley Scott. I mean, for for me, I, I think Alien. I right. think I, of course, I think Alien and Blade Runner and uh, yeah, Gladiator. But there's so many um, like there's so many more that he's made. And like, yeah. I can't even think of them off you the know, top of my head. You know but. which one I really like? Matchstick Men. I was just about, I was just that. Okay. So thank you because Matchstick Men is kind of like the one I always, I forget about that one. It's okay. Great cast. You've got Nicolas Cage, Sam Rockwell, and Alison Lohman. Alison Lohman, who kind of just like she showed up, did Matchstick Men, did I. She, White Oleander, did she? White Oleander, she was in Big Fish. I. There was like, oh, uh, drag me to hell. And then just like, oh, yeah. she kind of just vanished. And I, I have to look her up and see what she's been up to. But uh, she was so great. And in Matchstick Men, she's amazing. Matchstick Men is, uh, Matchstick Men is a great movie. And it's totally not, it's so character based. Yeah. It's and definitely I, one of those Nicolas Cage ones where you're just like, man, he is bringing it. He showed yeah. up to work all of these yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah, but Matchstick Men, it's it's like you, when you think about Ridley Scott, and I feel like a common criticism of Ridley Scott's movies is that they're more about, like, everything else, and they're less character-based, but Matchstick Men is one of those that's totally character-driven. Right. Yeah, and it's and it's so it's so good. And it's, it's stylized. So it's very different. It's very different. Yes. And uh, I remember feeling uncomfortable with that movie, but like I liked it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could see that because it definitely is somebody who's, you know, going through a depression. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, and it's used. I don't, if you haven't seen you really it, really feel it. for him, though. But you really, you, you know, really who's also in it from the Joel Schumacher players, Beth Grant. Oh, Beth Grant. <laughs> she shows up. Nice. Um, yeah. So anyway, Ridley Scott, uh, keep doing your thing until you absolutely can't anymore. I, I think that that's your that's your trajectory. <laughs> so you don't need my permission. I think so. But man, yeah, you you talk about someone who just keeps keeps pumping them out, and like you know every it, like you know a couple of them like he did that one that that 
uh, what, like Kevin Spacey was going to be in, and then they replaced him. Oh, with all the money in the world, plumber. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that one just kind of like, but like you only heard about that, that one, because of the controversy. Yeah, that one was fine. I, it was fine. Christopher yeah. Plummer is great in it. Yeah. But I think you really heard about that one more because of the Kevin Spacey Absolutely. thing and then because of the Michelle Williams not getting paid. Right. The same. Yeah. Absolutely. Like when I think of that movie, that's what I think of. And it takes me like a while to remember what it's even about. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a fascinating story, too. So it's a shame. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the Getty kidnapping. Yeah. Uh, so. All right. 20 minutes. We covered all that stuff. Now we can get to the last action hero. The last action hero. So I won't do that the whole time. I... Uh, Dan, do you remember seeing the last action hero for the first time? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, not really any special circumstances, but I remember went went to the New Park Cinemas in uh-huh. Roseau Park, where my friend Dave DeVito worked. Shout huh? out to Dave. Um, the Amazing Dave, if you are in the That's LA right. area and are looking for some delightful entertainment um, for, for young people, uh, it, there's none better. None better. That Magic juggling. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Comedy. So, yeah. uh, but like Dave was working at the New Park Cinemas, so we would go to the movies there a lot. And I mean, so I must have been with like, you know, that group of friends and... Um, yeah, I remember seeing it. I remember, and actually what's really what's really interesting is I remember like I didn't love it. Uh-huh. And I've had my I've had this feeling every time I've seen it since. And I couldn't really put my finger on it until I I read uh I read a piece in uh in Gizmodo. Uh, okay. Or on Gizmodo. And it was actually just published uh, on November 3rd by uh, Germaine uh, Lucier. Lucier, I'm sorry. Okay. I apologize for mispronouncing, but um, talking about how uh, it, it says uh, if you actually watch Last Action Hero today, you realize, like the characters in the film itself, the movie was just misplaced. Had hmm. the film been released in 2021 instead of 1993, it almost certainly would have been the smash it was destined to be. It's a film made for the 21st century audiences released in the wrong millennium. That's really interesting. I read that, and then I just I have a couple of more quotes I, I wanted to throw in there because... You, you watch this movie and you're like, it's really meta and like existential. And uh, so to go on, it says here, it's a complex movie that more than anything else rewards years of film fandom. It's a movie made for the Internet age where scenes could be clipped and memed. Right. Listicles of references would be written and audiences could snap and point like Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> so and it, it also I mean, it points out that, um, yeah. That like it opened a week after Jurassic Park, which ah. didn't do well. And it, it's also the the writer here talks about being in their early teens, going to see the last action hero. And um, uh, they said they remember thinking, how did an idea so awesome as a kid going into his favorite movie not work? Yeah. Well, why don't and, I yes. read the synopsis and then we can talk a little bit more about that just in case anybody hasn't seen it or doesn't know what it's about. Because um, I feel like it's one that, you know, for a lot of people, of course they know it, but for I'm sure a lot of people, it's one that completely, you know, didn't end up on their radar. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, talk a little bit. Synopsize. And then I, I do want to come back to this article. I want to come back to it too because I have some Good thoughts idea. already. Yes. All right. Danny Madigan doesn't have a normal childhood. He lives in a crime-ridden New York neighborhood with his single mother. He's constantly skipping school in favor of going to see movies. And his only friend is Nick, the theater owner. But one thing that grounds Danny is his love for the Jack Slater series of motion pictures starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And when Nick offers Danny to view a print of the new Jack Slater movie after midnight, Danny can't resist. He sneaks out of his home after he is attacked during an attempted robbery of his shitty apartment. Upon his arrival to the theater, which is about to be shut down, Nick presents Danny with a special ticket that was given to him by Harry Houdini, who performed at the theater when Nick was a little kid. As Danny watches Jack Slater 4, 
His ticket begins to glow, and he is suddenly transported into the movie, landing squarely in Jack Slater's backseat. Danny, a movie nerd, assures Jack that they are inside of a movie and that Jack is a fictional character, helping Jack along the way through the plot of the movie, which involves a brand new bad guy, Benedict, who has ideal bad guy character traits like perfect aim and a collection of glass eyes. And since Danny lives in the metaverse, he's also able to tip Jack off to potential threats based on their prior roles. Sorry for saying Jack off, by the way. But when Benedict gets a hold of the magic ticket, he makes his way to the real world where he can cause actual problems. And his target is the real-life Arnold Schwarzenegger, actor and co-owner of Planet Hollywood. Danny and Jack also sneak back into the real world where Jack is now having to face the reality of being a fictional character. He meets Danny's mom and charms the pants off of her, but the fun comes to an end when they catch on to Benedict's plan and realize that they have to beat him to the premiere of Jack Slater 4 where he has something planned for the future governator. When, Jan- when Danny and Jack get to the premiere, they identify Benedict's plan to bring back the villain from Jack Slater 3 for pre-revenge. Jack saves the day and also Arnold, but not without getting shot in the gut. Danny rushes Jack back to Nick's theater and gets Jack back into the movie just in time for the wound to heal using the power of Hollywood magic. So, anyway, uh, to go back to what you were saying about this article, it actually makes me think of a movie that I saw the other night, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is a no- which is one of those movies that is so perfect for this time because, you know, the next day you get all those articles where it's like, 64 Easter eggs you didn't catch in Ghostbusters Afterlife. And it's like, this movie would have had that all over the place. Yeah, Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the other thing, just to to kind of come back to this article, because there were a few things about this movie that I just remember never felt, never felt right. And one of those is that, Right after, and and it's actually interesting because the more and more I thought about it, like at first it bothered me and then things started to make sense to me a little bit more. Um, I was like, how he's, he's, he's about to leave to go to the movie theater. So it can't be that early. This guy attacks him, breaks into the apartment, and then he has to go to the police station. And then he winds up at the theater, not too late but also like goes to the theater seemingly seemingly unscathed yeah seemingly because as i was thinking like how does this kid just go from this amazingly traumatic experience to to sitting in a movie theater and then having this other experience wait a second does any of it really happen (laughs) um which is not uh, I was just kind of spitballing and gotcha. I was like, just think just thinking about I, I think ultimately I don't know if it makes sense because there are people in the real world of it involved. But I was like, there there's there could be this other version of it where this whole thing is like his like here's this kid who is already escaping trauma because as we don't really find out in the script, his father died from cancer. This oh. is in part that's been deleted. Oh, uh, OK. From, yeah, there's no scene. explanation in the actual movie of so there, what happened there to his So there is in the screenplay, and there was a scene that uh, that explained it. So so Danny's father has died. And well, the, the only explanation is when Mercedes Rule says something like, uh, did I ask to be a widow before, before the age of 40 or something Got like it. that? Got it, yeah. And then she does her little Mercedes Rule thing where she talks like this. Yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> I love Mercedes uh, Rule. She's, She's so great. great. She just fucking owned that era. <laughs> yeah, Ab- absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so anyway, uh, but back back to this uh, this article. I'm also like, when he gets into the the movie, yeah, he has that like he has a couple of moments of like, wow. But uh, I'm just gonna quote from the article here. It says, once Danny gets sucked into the latest Jack Slater movie, his attitude towards his situation is remarkably modern. He doesn't question it. He just instantly fully buys into it. Yeah, which feels like a more, more like a 2021 reaction than a 1993 reaction. Huh. 
And now it's like now someone who's grown up on like Marvel movies is thinking, oh, yeah, totally. This is exactly what I would do. And how he starts calling out the catchphrases and the tropes and using his like everything you were just describing. Yeah. Um, But then and it's funny because it's so it's meta on so many levels because and this similarity is also pointed out in here. But it was something I thought about watching it was how the the last Arnold Schwarzenegger action extravaganza to come out before this was Terminator 2. Uh-huh. Which like the centerpiece of that was Schwarzenegger teamed with a kid. With a kid, yeah. Who was and like, you know, and they they bonded and developed a relationship. And you know, Terminator 2 which is o- openly referenced when yes. you see Robert Patrick. Yes. Yeah. Mhm. As well as the cardboard standee in the video store where Stallone is the uh, yeah the actor in it. Yeah. So we're very And it much... was very clever about the ways that it did that kind of stuff. Like Yes. Yeah. Yes. And this is a John McTiernan movie, uh, of of Die Hard fame and uh and also of Tax predator. evasion? <laughs> oh, tax evasion. Oh, <laughs> something like sorry. That. that predator being the IRS. <laughs> um yeah, I, I think it was tax evasion. Yeah. Uh for McTiernan. But yeah, um I mean yeah, and this was kind of his first like big miss. Yeah, big miss, but you know, it it works in its own way. Like I think that that article makes a really good point that like, you know, watching this movie now appeals to a different sensibility that we maybe didn't have in 93. Um, For me, as a 10 year old in 1993, watching this was great because like I was, you know, close to the age of the kid that's in there and to get sucked into a movie. I mean, what could be better than that? Uh, I mean, getting shot at doesn't sound like fun, but, you know. And that's an interesting point, um, the age of the character, because I had read that the character was originally written to be older, like in in, in their teens. Because, and I've always had, and I've always just kind of had issues, not with Austin O'Brien himself, the actor who plays Danny, but just with, like, the role and the way that he plays the role. And it's like, he acts like he's a 10, 11, 12-year-old, and then all of a sudden he's, like, got the hots for right. uh, for for Meredith or Whitney or whoever, yeah. Brid- Bridget Wilson. Veronica Sampras- Vaughn, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Veronica Vaughn yeah. Uh, is playing. So it made more sense to me, and I was like, because I always felt, I was like, man, you know, it would work. I'm like, it's too bad that they are Arnold, like Edward Furlong and Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh. that pairing, if it hadn't just happened. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't really have an issue with Austin O'Brien, uh, especially because for me, He's only been in two movies. I know right. I know he's really been in probably more stuff, but like for me, he's in this and My Girl 2, My Girl and 2. that's it. And yeah. he plays, you know, a very similar kind of personality. And I don't know. It's like it works in these, and I'm glad that he didn't do any more because then I feel like if he was in more movies as that same type of personality those other two movies wouldn't resonate with me as much. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, and he's like, he's fine in this. And I don't, it's like, I don't, (laughs) I don't blame him. I just, I feel like it would have, I would have liked to have seen a, a different type of kid in this. Like, cause, cause ultimately, I mean, it's a very psychological film and another, another, uh, filmmaker that I was thinking about while I was watching it was Charlie Kaufman. Oh yeah. I think because of the, uh, speaking of Nicolas Cage showing up to work, like thinking Mm -hmm. about movies like adaptation and things that are very meta and existential and thinking about, you know, Synecdoche, New York and being John Malkovich. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's uh, very strange. Like, not the first. I did not expect like to watch Last Action Hero and start thinking about Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> right. No. I mean, it's it's definitely an interesting movie, and it's like maybe it could have been 
done in a more interesting way if they really let those things develop. Um, but I think that, again, the sensibilities in 1993 were, you know, not quite ready for that kind of thing. Uh, especially with the type of audience that I think that this movie was being geared towards, which was probably like, you know, people who were our age, you know, at yeah. the time. And uh, just kind of... Uh, people who watched action movies but were also young and would love the idea of like ending up in one and all of that like meta stuff and all of the existential stuff about like what does it mean to be uh, a real person I think that that's all I don't know um, it, it's not for the exactly the movie that this was and I think that you know, to the point of the article, had it come out a few years later, even, you know, nowadays, it would be different. We will we will get there. And uh, I just want to play the clip from, uh, this is towards the end, when Nick, the theater owner, actually meets Jack Slater. Mm. This is the, when they're in the real world and Jack is finally, like, he knows that he's a fictional character. Nick! God, I was, I was so worried. Are you okay? Did you see what happened? No, I slept the sleep of the dead, kid. In here, I woke up two in the morning, and I, I figured you'd gone home. I wasn't home, Nick. I was in the movie. Uh, I'm, I'm getting a little up in years, kid. Define in. Whitney kissed me right on the mouth. I drove on those great big cranes and dropped Leo the far in the Labrea tar pits. I was with Jack Slater every step of the way. Think it works? I could have used all this time, and I never used it because I, I, I was too frightened. But it's not too late. I could still go visit Garbo and Camille, uh, Jean Harlow. Oh boy, I had a crush. Monroe in bus stop. Uh. Forgive me for, for going on like that, sir. I'm, I'm a great admirer of your work, too. Nick, it isn't who you think. This, this is a wonderful moment for me, Mr. Slater. I've never met a fictional character before. How new and exciting this must all be for you. Hey, I just found out I was imaginary. I mean, how would you feel if you found out that somebody made you up? Your job, your marriage, your kids. Oh, yeah. Let's push your son off the building. Gives you nightmares the rest of your life. But you're fictional, so who cares? I'm sorry, but I don't find it so new and exciting to discover that my whole life has been a damn movie. Young and impressionable. You know, there's lots worse things in movies. There's politicians and wars and forest fires and, and famine, plague, and, uh, uh, sickness, pain, warts, politicians. You already mentioned it. I, I know I did. They're twice as bad as anything else. <laughs> Most of my life's been movies, too. Well, showing them, but that's all over for me now. Uh, theater's shut. I'm going to clear out my stuff, and then it's the wrecking ball. But now... I got another chance. I, I, could I have the ticket back, please? Well, um, we've got this one little um, hiccup. So while listening to that clip, I got to thinking, and a more interesting move that would have happened maybe now, maybe with somebody like Charlie Kaufman, would be for Jack Slater to maybe not be able to talk in the real world because nobody is writing his lines. Nobody is oh. directing him to do things. Maybe he can't d act normally, you know? Wow. Uh, you know, there's there's nobody there for any direction or, or anything like that, so. Yeah, no, it's really, I mean, it's one of those things that, I I don't know, I guess I never caught that maybe i checked out at this part of the movie or something <laughs> but yeah like watching it it just seemed very yeah but it's also very 
contemporary to put something like that in an action movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. it's like, even just because it's about an action movie doesn't mean that it has to be an action movie. No, very, very true. Well, and that and that kind of brings us to... Because what's interesting is this is supposed to be a tribute slash parody of action movies. Yeah. But there's a lot of references to non-action movies. Sure. You have The Seventh <laughs> Seal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with hey, Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen, yeah. He's great. Ian McKellen as, as death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's a really fun thing towards the end that happens. Um, very fascinating and, and a really cool move. Um, yeah yeah like really creative really interesting moment and of course and but then there's the references to amadeus right yeah let's uh let's listen to the the moment where uh we meet f murray abraham's character john practice how do you get to carnegie hall practice john practice (laughs) you're over there so what are you doing away from washington you don't think something strange is going on between uh this is top secret. I know the Vivaldi mob is joining forces with the Torellis. Damn it, Jack. How do you do that? Well, I'm not parked behind the desk all day eating those donuts. Those are government donuts, my friend. It's not easy work. I got to call PC. Good for you. Watch it, Jack. He killed Mozart. In a movie? I'm a dance. He won eight Oscars. Well, I saved his life in Nam. So make sure to be on the lookout. Thanks. So first of all, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger in 1993 was out to get the donuts because between this and Dave. Dave, So what I'm wondering is, (laughs) did Jack Slater see Dave, but with Sylvester Stallone as the Arnold Schwarzenegger character as himself in Dave with the donuts and the thing? Yeah, he really had it in for donuts in 93, huh? Yeah, the donuts. Um, <laughs> I yeah. thought the same thing. Yeah. And I always I always felt that even though, like, I got... Because, you know what? I was, like, an eight-year-old kid who loved the movie Amadeus. Yeah. Like, when that... I didn't see it in the theater, of course, but when it came out on VHS, I watched it. I had the soundtrack. That's how I yeah. learned about classical music. And I've watched it... Many times since. And speaking of, on our last episode, poster art. Amadeus poster art is so good. Oh, tremendous. Love it. Iconic. Yeah. And so, but I felt like, I felt like even when I saw this movie in 1993. Yeah. And that reference was made. I feel like I looked around the theater and was just like, am I the only one who who gets that? Yeah, I think that that's such a really fun aspect that uh that they put in here and it's like this is so what's also interesting is it tells you a lot about danny and that it's not just that he loves action movies he just loves movies and he absorbs it he remembers the people that are in it uh it's not just that he just gets lost in action movies literally and figuratively don't you think though that that he would if he's that aware wouldn't he be aware enough to say, like, you know, oh, okay, F. Murray Abraham is in this movie. And, like, he recognizes Arnold Schwarzenegger as being the actor who plays Jack Slater. Yeah. So why does he all of a sudden think that, like, F. Murray Abraham is really, like, this time-traveling, yeah. composing <laughs> or, murderer? Yeah, that he's just always going to be a bad guy. I get, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah so I guess I mean yeah it just it kind of plays a little weird and where it's like you know he's not Salieri here but like right. I wish he I wish he would have just said that's F Murray Abraham yeah you can't trust him yeah it's like hmm, I saw this one I don't know but then it's like you think about Arnold Schwarzenegger and you think of like the long goodbye and you're just like well he was a bad guy in that kind of <laughs> I'm trying to think of other well I guess the Terminator he's a bad guy too uh, yeah. What are other ones where he's a bad guy? It's kind of hard to think of too many, huh? No, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't think he's ever Oh, wait, hold on. Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. Okay, there you go. There you go. But, you know, that hadn't happened yet in this in this world. 
So oh god. So Danny is, Madigan. I, I want to. I want that. to go back to that world. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a really fascinating movie, and it's like, yeah, maybe ahead of its time. How would anybody have known that there would have been a perfect time to make a movie like this? Uh, right. But yeah, I don't know. I I feel like we've already kind of dipped a toe into theorizing how it could be done better these days. But Dan, is there anything else you wanted to mention before we moved on? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's uh, a couple of things that they that they do that they do really well, just as a as a parody. And yeah. you know, in thinking about it, and thinking and reading that, like this was originally intended to be much more of a parody of action mm. movie tropes more I think of a about, loaded weapon one well that's exactly where i was going ah, with this see? was that lo- loaded weapon one i mean comes out like a year before or not even a i think like months before this oh I think really it came out in like early 93 huh. i'm I, I i i think so i'm guessing i could look it up i'm not i will at some point but loaded weapon one comes out and loaded weapon one is really just a total like parody yeah. of everything at, like Shane Black, Joel Silver, yeah. all of like they do the whole like you know two three days to retirement right. thing. Well, this one does it too. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is like uh, it had already done that, so I, it kind of. Uh, but I think that's something that they did well in this that I honestly can't remember if they did in Loaded Weapon 1 was the constantly shouting police chief and Frank McRae plays him. Oh, yeah. Here. Let's hear some of that. You stripped the butt on it. I think it turns like a take from you. I got the California Ranger cousin doing all me a virgin and a dad of hand, Frank, doing all me a virgin and in my first assignment. Tiny Timber stepped on to the toilet. So what? You ball peen jacobinas. I stripped the butt on it. I think it turns like a take from you. You know, you're taking back a new marriage, which you're never going to get down the beach. Go down the beach. You know, you take the chicken off the back and stick it up. Well, see if this is clear enough. Give me your badge. And this time you won't get it back. He definitely says California Raisins I, and then Diary of Anne yeah, Frank. Yeah, those are the only two things that I actually catch in there. California Raisins is a really... Those two are just so strange. There was another one... There. Uh, oh, wait. There, there was another one in there. Oh, God, I, for, I forget. But And then he uh, later, he actually drops an F-bomb. I thought so. I thought so. Yeah. 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 I, that's such a... You know, it's a fun trope. And they do such a good job with it. I feel like it's more memorable in this movie than in other ones where I've seen it parodied. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I like how they do it in in 21 Jump Street, though. They're not really parodying yeah. that trope. They're just kind of like putting a new version, putting a new twist I on it. I watched 21 Jump Street like last week. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, wow, yeah, just like laughs straight. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I had the the pleasure of doing some work recently with Phil Lord and Chris Miller, and like Twenty One Jump Street was like at the front of my mind. I was like, "You brilliant bastards! Yeah. You figured it out! <laughs> you figured it out! Like you made it actually work." They Un- really unbelievable, did. yeah, really did. Uh, so, um. So yeah, so there's some there's some interesting there's definitely some like some interesting things that they try. I I feel like I don't know if this is if it's just like a victim of like rushed editing. Like I know that they were doing like reshoots till like a week before it came out. <laughs> yeah. So because it feels like in and like like you pointed out, it, there's some shifts. There's some like tonal shifts that don't really work and it's uh-huh. kind of inconsistent so it's like this patchwork of oh and a lot of wizard of oz references which right yeah i guess makes sense because the story is kind of a sure you know it's similar yeah um you know and uh, also in coming back to the idea of trauma uh dorothy gale is a character who likely has trauma in her past. I mean, there must be a reason why she's being raised by her elderly True. aunt and uncle. So, yeah. um, so thinking about uh, Danny. Oh, by the way, I got to give it. Uh, we got to give a shout out. Um, the late, great Melvin Van, Van Peebles yeah. uh, making a cameo as an EMT. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, this thing is just full of cameos. 
And also, uh, we also have to shout out, you know, another, I mean, yeah. All right. So first of all, like Charles Dance. Um, Charles Dance recently is so known as Tywin good. Lannister. Tywin uh, Lannister, I think that for me, he's also, you know, the villain from The Golden Child. <laughs> yes, he's the villain yeah. from The Golden Child. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He does. He plays his role really well. He's um, so good. He's a really great villain. When he comes into the real world and kills someone, like I thought that was a re- that was a scene that was like more interesting than it should have been. Yeah, let's listen to that real quick. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry to bother you. I wonder if you'd help me test a theory. Sure, what can I do for you? Well... Hello? I've just... Shot somebody, I did it on purpose. <laughs> I said I have murdered a man and I want to confess. Hey, shut up down there. I also just love his voice. He has the perfect yeah. voice for that. Yes. And I've done it on purpose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He is he is great, and I mean, there's so many other actors like to give a shout out to, but uh, Tom Noonan, uh huh, Tom Noonan is so great. Tom Noonan's really good. Uh, it's it's interesting, and I love what they do at the premiere with yeah. the real Tom Noonan and the in character Tom Noonan. It's yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, I, so I he plays the villain from Jack Slater three, who the Ripper. Yeah, the Ripper who uh, Benedict brings into the real world to kill Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, he's so good. He's so menacing. Well, yeah, and he's also the person who killed. Like that's what I, the trope of, and it's funny because I think of this this action movie trope and. Uh, it, 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 like, it almost predates the trope because the, the, the trope of like, you know, the, the child the who's, you know, the, the cop's kid who's, right. who's killed because I think of face off. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot about face off and I'm like that, that came like three or three four years, years after this, yeah. like 97, I think. So, yeah. um, I, I. And I think that what I, I like that they include that when when Arnold in the scene we listened to uh, with with Arnold, where he's talking about like how it sucks to be a fictional character. And it's like, you know, throw your son off off a roof. Don't worry. He's a fictional character. He yeah. Doesn't feel anything. What's what's interesting, what I'm just realizing. So the movie begins with Danny watching Jack Slater three at Nick's theater and the new Jack Slater movies about to come out. Is he just showing the like previous Jack Slater movies in preparation, like to get people jazzed for the new one? Like that's kind of weird to be showing a movie that's probably a few years old at this point. Um, I would say it's weird that uh, a projectionist at a movie theater that is closing down like the next day yeah has a print of a new movie that's being released like that. That week. is also a good point. Yes. Uh I mean there there's there's there were a few things that I I uh I noted about that. I mean And and also why... Nick, I I'm blanking on the actor's name. I only remember Robert him as Prosky. Robert Prosky. I only ever think of him as Jonathan Lundy from Mrs. Doubtfire. From Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah. He, he's also he's the the judge in the remake of of Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I, I mean, Robert Prosky's in a, like zillion things. But I also I wondered I was like when Danny's trying to prove that it's a movie, why doesn't he point out that like Jack Slater is a very American name for someone with such an Austrian accent? <laughs> uh yeah, I guess. Because also because well, that's what would something... That, what would that prove? He'd be like, oh, yeah, you're right. 
That is well, weird. <laughs> no, I mean, it'd be like, yeah, so it would make more sense if my name was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, right. It's it's also, but it's it's funny because it's something about action movies, uh, especially like in the 80s with between Schwarzenegger, Van Damme, Mel Gibson, yeah. even um, like the fact that they were playing these characters, they ha- had their accents. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but no one ever was like, you know, oh, yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, no. Riggs was was born in Melbourne. Uh, You know, I don't really remember him having an accent. Am I just Raj? Raj. Wow. My God. Come on. I I think I just never really processed it. As as him having an Australian accent in in any of those. Yeah. Huh. I mean. Yeah, totally does. Totally does. I mean, you know, yeah, he does. And, you know, Van Damme and Schwarzenegger. Well, I mean, yeah, clearly the two of them. But I feel like Mel Gibson got to a point where he was, I don't know, maybe his American accent is just, it incorporates like certain Australian dialects to a certain extent that like it blends better. Well, his Australian accent kind of like it got softer as the years yeah. went on, as as he became more of a lunatic. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but yeah, no, I remember like if you like listen to him in the in the first Lethal Weapon. I haven't yeah. watched that in a long time. I you know I'm not really jazzed to watch uh, Mel Gibson movies that much anymore. Go figure. No, I understand. It's yeah. it's kind of you know in in the case of something like Lethal Weapon, it's 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 yeah. a sacrifice. So Dan, yeah, all right. What are we doing with this? Oh boy, what are we doing with this? Well, okay. So I I mean I had a couple of thoughts as I was watching it, and there's a lot of different ways you could go. Um, I I would be interesting to see if you could get like I don't I don't think like re-releasing this would get I don't think like a modern audience is going to follow this iteration of it uh-huh even though it's very much made in that in that sense uh you know I was thinking of possible like people who could make a remake I was like I would be really interested in seeing Spike Jones do a remake uh-huh because I feel like he would hit I was and I'm thinking a lot about like his or like his videos and like like the sabotage video because sure he can definitely do action. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Um, and I mean, you also think about what, like the, there's part half of like, or the last third of adaptation. is pretty actiony. It's but, got way more attention than most action movies. That's for sure. That's yeah. true. Uh, so I was, I was thinking about that, but ultimately when I was really thinking about like, how does this work best? How I like how does this work best in a different form? And I feel like the whole thing has been so done by now and the whole like meta and if you had it, even if you had it like the last comic book hero or something like that to like kind of spoof on Avengers and things like that. I mean, you you kind of have things like that already. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking it would be a really fun to have last action hero the animated series and it would totally be like 80s cartoon style i would want it to be 80s cartoon style where you have like you know danny is in like and i'm picturing like the animation of something like a mask or i'm trying to like gi joe type animation right um and have it where danny you know, has his magic ticket and he goes back and forth between, the, you know, like he has problems in the real world. It's like, oh, man, all right, I'm going to go to the movies. And he gets in and then he goes to Jack Slater for help and he goes in. I mean, like, because there's so many things from The Last Action Hero that are too good to like to waste. And like the Slater character could essentially be the same. I mean, Arnold could voice the character. Um, You've got that big mistake catchphrase. Yeah. Which is so good. Like there, you don't know how often I want to use that catchphrase, and I'm like, oh, no one's gonna get it. Yeah. <laughs> like I like, and I, I sometimes I'll even say because I'm like, I don't care because I'll be like, as Jack Slater would say, <laughs> big Jack mistake. Slater. Yeah. Because I'm like, who cares? Uh, so you got that, and and then maybe it's like, and then my, 
my my one like uh but then how's this how's this gonna work was the animated cat <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And oh, I'm it's like, like a real animated, cat <laughs> what if the animated cat is like the the host yeah or the, the danny De- yeah danny devito voiced the cat yeah <laughs> and uh have him be like the host or have him be like at the end when it's time for the lesson have him be like the uh you know, all right, kids. So, what did we learn on this episode of uh-huh. the Last Action Hero? <laughs> and I don't know. So, I was thinking, I was like, that would kind of be fun. That's like the one thing that for me would intrigue me would actually be like this, just totally done in the style of an like Last Action Hero, yeah, yeah, yeah. like song. It's a great going into the movie to save the day. Last Action Hero is a great title for a movie. Yeah, it's great. It is. Yeah, they it they is. did it perfectly. I don't know if it necessarily is uh the the right title for this movie. It doesn't really explain anything about this movie, but it we don't care cuz it's just that good of a title. Oh yeah. No, yeah. I mean, well, I think that's pretty much how they sold the movie was based on the title and <laughs> like Arnold. Yeah, right. That was that was pretty much it. So, yeah, anyway, that yeah, that's I don't know. That's my thing. What what are you thinking? I've got a couple. Okay. Uh, all right. So the the sequel that I'm thinking of picks up exactly where the last one left off. So what we know is that the half of the ticket that Danny had was dropped in front of the movie theater that was showing The Seventh Seal, where Ian McKellen as death comes out. So that half of the ticket never got recovered or anything. The other half was used to get Jack back into the movie. So that ticket that Benedict dropped, Seven Seal, still out there. So we watch as this half of the ticket gets like swept up by someone cleaning up the sidewalk. We see it going into the trash. It goes into a landfill. It gets buried. The landfill spot gets like bought out by a developer and construction's digging up the site and the ticket resurfaces like present day uh, and a construction worker finds it like dusts it off or whatever and gives it uh, just thinks it's cool looking and he gives it to his daughter who loves movies and I you know he's a single dad and like they like have a fight and she just like takes this thing that he gave her that was trash or whatever and she like you know throws it in her room and it hits like a small tv and there's like a action movie on and it glows and then you know the rest um so there's that one or my other idea is maybe a similar way to begin it but somebody gets sucked into the last action hero and so using like, you know, kind I'm of, in the movie so like, Me too. using like the deep fakey stuff and like, you know, altering that. It's like putting somebody new into the movie, The Last Action Hero. So oh, it sounds kind of like what they did with Terminator Genesis. I did not see it. Oh, OK. Yeah. Terminator <laughs> Genesis was like it was basically like putting these like alternate universe, like Sarah Connor, in, in, like into uh, like Terminator two. Oh, or, really? Oh my like, God. like they, yeah, it's, if you just look up some scenes from it, like they, they try to like, yeah, they, they try to do that. And, or <sighs> I think, I feel like in Avengers end game, don't they do that where they, they have to like go back to like they the do. first Avengers yeah, movie? Yeah, they do. But that's, yeah, they do that. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that finding a way to get into it. And and what I was thinking is it would be really fun if this time it actually was like, um, you know, kind of those like uh, Monday morning quarterbacks, those people who are just like movie nerds who are just like, oh, that would never happen. And if that happened, I would do this, you know, and it's like I could see, you know who I could see? John Gabris. I could see John Gabris. Ah. <laughs> Ending up in the last action hero and like, you know, he's a, I mean, he is a podcaster for movies, the action boys podcast. So it's like the action boys, three like podcast hosts about action movies get sucked into the last action hero and have to course correct everything and like have to not only deal with their shit, but also like Danny's stuff. And yeah, I would totally watch Gabrus. (laughs) in the last oh my god that'd be so so great yeah absolutely oh 
That's that's fantastic. Because what I was thinking was like, what would be awesome is if somebody from the present day went into a movie that was maybe a few decades old. Right. You know? So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting, though, because that concept is like, uh, you know, in the book Ready Player One, there's a whole thing where like the main character has to reenact war games. In uh, the movie, it becomes The Shining and it like gotcha. loses its yeah, entire Yeah, I mean, it, it plays into the theme of what Last Action Hero is all about, which is like all of the, these meta jokes and parodying, you know, action movies and uh, yeah, I don't know. So I feel like it's a really cool opportunity to like mess with it. And uh, it's it's a movie that's not so beloved that people would get upset about revisiting it and doing something even crazier with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's true. Yeah, it's uh, you could do a lot with it. Yeah. So, Dan. <laughs> Do you want to tell everyone what we're going to do in our next episode? Well, this is one of those rare episodes where where our next choice is inspired by the current film, uh, <laughs> because uh, as as John said, uh, watching Last Action Hero and hearing the references made him want to watch Amadeus, <laughs> and as Amadeus is one of my all time favorite movies that I don't mind putting on every now and again. Uh, I have had no problem with this. So uh, we will be going from the last action hero to the, like, I don't know, first classical hero. I don't know. (laughs) We will be going, we we will be looking at uh, another fascinating movies uh, starring F. Murray Abraham. Tom uh, Hulse. And Tom Hulse, directed by Milos Forman. And uh, yeah, it's Amadeus, winner of of eight Academy Awards. Yeah, <laughs> yes, including Best Picture and Best Actor. You know, when we do a movie like Last Action Hero, I like the next one to be wildly different, and I love that this we have a thread to connect them, but it is still wildly different. I mean, we also could have done the Seventh Seal or Hamlet. We, yeah, uh, absolutely. We could have done. Uh, yeah, there's so many things that we, we will, could have touched. If upon. we want to do Hamlet, I we could have, have done Basic teach- Instinct. I'm gonna have to be teaching Hamlet a, a little later this year. So huh? no, um, <laughs> Basic Instinct. Yeah, nice. Uh, so Dan, yeah. on your way to Carnegie Hall, I I you know first of all practice, but also good journey. Practice, good journey. Infinity. It's time for some action. It's time for some action.